0: Welcome to the Dream, Plan, Start, Grow podcast hosted by Allison Turner. In each episode, we interview real everyday entrepreneurs to learn how they got their start, what challenges they faced and overcame when starting the business, and what successes each has had. Welcome to the Dream, Plan, Start, Grow show. My name is Allison Turner. I am your host, I created this show in order to interview other entrepreneurs on how they got started and any tips and tools they have learned along in their journey that may be able to help someone that either wants to start a business or even someone in business to gain more success. Today I have with me Jamie Lynn Cohen, Jamie Lynn Productions. And first question is, how long have you had Jamie Lynn Productions?
1: Twenty-two years in November, I believe. Wow. Maybe one of my longest.
0: Yes. I've had some 20-year ones, right around the 20, well, actually one was 22 years, I think.
1: Mm. 22 years. Yeah, I was, uh, I was working at a little company called Cablevision, oh, okay. and I was an executive vice president of their technology sector called LightPath. I, um, I am a recovering geek. I worked for 10 years at MCI, and then I worked at Cablevision, and I was an executive vice president of Path Brand. And I had my—I made my way basically to the top of the ladder, and then I realized that my ladder was against the wrong building. <laughs> Did it jump off that ladder? <laughs> uh-huh. A little bit, yeah. Actually, if you—if you want to know, I was reading a book, uh, Julia Cameron, *The Artist's Way*. I know that book and um, I actually own that book. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did it at a book club in my house. I did it on cassette. And I actually went to Kripalu and,
0: and, and you remember cassette? I was watching it, remember those <laughs> it
1: was after eight track. And then I went to Kripalu and I did her in person even. But oh, wow. What got me to really figure out what I wanted to do was a jealousy map. And it had me look at other people in my life of whom I was jealous. And then, because I really wasn't able to uncover my wants and needs for some reason, they were hidden from my view. And when I did this jealousy map, I was dating a man who was a drummer and thinking, that's not fair. He gets to, <laughs> That's not fair. He gets to play music and I have to go to work every day. So I decided, I chose, that I wanted to start playing music and uh, didn't want to be part of the corporate world and a monkey, if you want. No offense to monkeys.
0: <laughs> so Jamie Wynn Productions was born.
1: Yeah. And
0: how do you get started in the music world? It's a very tough business. Uh, I've heard that from multiple people that I know that play music and uh, try and get those gigs. And it's a tough business to make a living at.
1: It is. It's really good you to can, just play.
0: Yeah. You play a bar scene all day long, but you probably make a hundred bucks a night or something. So.
1: Yeah, well, it's... 2022, and I made more in 1988 than (laughs) I'm making now. Ah. And people complain about their jobs. (laughs) Okay, if you're a garbage man and you throw yourself into your work, but I did throw myself into my work in essence. And a lot of musicians, what they do, I think, is wait for the phone to ring. And the phone don't ring. No. Even the cell phones don't. And it's a matter of uh, methodically going after your business and then altering it. I mean, I played in the Glenn Miller Orchestra for oh. five years. I was a member of a 35-piece oh, wow. big band. 35-piece? Yeah. And then 35-pieces mm. turned into 20-piece, and then it turned into 15, and it turned into 10, and quartets, quintets, quartets, <laughs> and duets. And and now, I, Allison, I, I play with myself, and I get paid for it. And, and I'll tell you, to... that was a line I used at a networking group because everybody's in their own little world and nobody's yeah. paying attention. Everybody's on their phones. Yeah. And, and I, I used they, that one. They probably have, how many paid attention to that? Though? But everybody put their phone down and they want to know, how can I play with myself and get paid for it? Yeah. Well, you could be a musician with an iPad. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So
0: what's the most exciting gig you've had?
1: I've played for five presidents, Queen oh, wow. of England, Duke of Earl. There is a Duke of Earl. <laughs> and we did a, a show, Norman Lear, I Love America, with Barbara Streisand oh, in London. And she is a very difficult person. <laughs> but you know something? Women are bitches and men are powerful. And that's the way we, as a society, tend to look at people. And yep. I think that... For me, I had to bring my femininity into it and but uh, in a way that was not as forceful, but more like motherly direct and make inquiries. I was when I, I worked at MCI for 10 years and I used to have to make cold calls. And I remember one day making 50 calls. I used to do slash marks. I made 50 calls and I had 50 people hang up on me. Ooh. And I remember this guy, Lenny, the next cubicle over, he said, wow, aren't you glad you got that over with? (laughs) I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, you got, it's a law of averages. And if you got your rejections done in one day, you might tomorrow come in and start hitting it in a good way. Yeah, exactly. So it's a numbers game. It's a, you know, it's still the same old stuff. It's a sales funnel. It's trying to figure out, uh. Who has an opportunity. And and what I'm doing now is I'm regrouping because I did the circuit in New York. I had agents booking me. I I worked for two very large contracting companies, and they used to put me into a band. I was a side guy in the band, and I played big band music, so I knew the stuff, which was awesome. I loved it, grew up on it. I started that when I was 17 years old. And... um, (laughs) And so I would get calls for things and they would put me in bands and the people would come up to us and say, wow, you guys are a great band. How long have you been together? And we said, I don't know. What time is it? Oh, five yeah. hours? Yeah, yeah, we've been together for like a few hours. Yeah. So you have to be adaptable and right. valuable in order to to be a musician. I played a country western gig last week. I play jazz. I play rock, I play blues, I sing. You have to do, you know, stand on your head and spit nickels. (laughs) Do a little bit of everything, huh?
0: Right. Well, and I think adaptable and malleable goes to any business, no matter whether you're a musician or a company like ours or another company. I mean, you have to be able to adapt with what's going on in society, the times. Obviously, we just went through a whole pandemic, which shut down your industry completely. Um, for the most part, then people went online, you know, but you have to be able to adapt to each of those circumstances. I mean, I just had someone on, um, that we released last week who's a PR person. She was a PR person in Washington, DC. And she moved to Florida. She sold that PR firm, moved to Florida. Now all of a sudden she's in a much different market. She's in Delray beach, which is entrepreneurial. So they're not paying the big PR firm prices that they were paying in DC, so she adapted her model, you know, she did the research, she adapted her model. So she's been in business now since I think 2004 down here or seven or something like that. So with this new model, but she had to adapt in order to do it. If you try and stay in the same thing, like, you know, right, you just burn up.
1: Well, if you stay in the same lane and the, pa- the traffic is passing you by, then <laughs> you're still in the same lane or you're behind a car or you're in a ditch. And I think that's what I'm coming with, you know, up to is now a lot of people retire to Florida. They have a pension, they have Social Security, and they want to just play music for fun. And it has significantly devalued what yeah. a musician makes down here. Uh, and as a result, I'm now developing a new, uh, new line, if you will, which is more attracted to the communities and, and things of that nature. Because, um, you know, I have played theaters and venues. And I know how to contract. I I mean, my business is not just me, right? I would book musicians and contract as well. And I still do it in New York and Florida. So if someone needs a musician or a band or an ensemble or whatever is needed, I have a huge database that I can refer to and I create it. Wow. Did not know that part. Yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs> they then refer you to. Yes. Yes. They do. So it's you know it's like a handshake and it's it's the honor system and right. we all work together and you know what they say both hands wash the, each other and then both hands wash the face so it's,
0: it's yeah fun. yeah I mean I know I know the bar scene down here does not pay well and yeah. the restaurants probably don't unless they're a really high end restaurant that b- wants to bring in something for New Year's Eve or something like that but. Yeah. I know the communities do have social budgets and budgets to basically make their members happy,
1: right? And even in that regard, the communities are shifting now. A lot of uh, as the older people, you know, pass on to their next destination, <laughs> there's a lot of people that come from the north or from other areas that are potentially younger. So you want to make sure that you appeal. I want to make sure that I appeal from I have my degree. Is international marketing and communications. I want to appeal and to the to the community that I'm playing for and be adaptable. Right. You know, yeah. That's that to me is is very key part of what I do. I want. It's a little different when you do a theater because you can't actually see people because you have the lights on you. Yeah. But like anything else, you adapt and you can you can you know like you said be malleable, which is. Vital thing to do in, in any industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, in the communities now, like, do you have to call the communities to try and get booked, or is there like, do you have an agent
1: that, because you said you book things? So, yeah, I, I'm just now starting this okay. um, because it's, <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah, well, what happened was I was very involved in the assisted living. And when COVID hit, they, they, we were the first to get locked out yeah. and we're the last <clears> to <throat> come back in. Oh, wow. And, so you're still not in? And some of them aren't. Some and really? a lot of them. Yep. Well, it's an excuse. Just like the. <laughs> oh well, we can't get you the product. I ordered my, uh, you know, hurricane windows at the beginning of May for 12 or 14 weeks, and they're like, oh, supply chain. It's not supply chain. It's getting away with it because and using using something as a scapegoat, right? They're blaming they're blaming you know COVID for it. But when you take me out of blame you have blah 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 and that's all it is to me <laughs> honestly and so my communities a lot of them cut their budget because they've realized oh we could just put a youtube up there and i just feel sorry for those older uh-huh. people because i love i love to play for older people and i love alzheimer's patients you know you walk into you walk into a room and they have this you know stuffed cat on their lap that they're petting and they have their baby dolls and you know mm-hmm. whatever comfort they have and People are, you know, they're withered over, and I start playing music from their youth, and they Mm -hmm. start blossoming like a flower. And I ask them to please help me with the words, and they know every word, every song.
0: You would think these communities... Would, because there's so much research that's been done in music therapy and how, especially with Alzheimer's, I mean, I've seen some of those studies and Mm -hmm. and things like that and how beneficial music can be for those patients. I mean, you would think that they would think that as opposed to like just cutting their budget or using that money somewhere else, because obviously that's what's happening. It's a business, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's a business. And if they can get away with it, they do. And, you know, they're not reducing the rent. Or no, the monthly it's probably payment, gone. It's probably gone up. It's still going up, and <laughs> right, and the value—it's just that's the human end of it. And I, that, that to me, I don't know. I just I love what I do. I get I, I start getting verklempt. I play a wedding, I cry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I'm invested in in what I do, and and it's beautiful to watch people and make a difference. And you walk out, and they're singing, and they're dancing, and they're walking and wheeling or whatever they're doing. It's great. It, it makes me feel good to do that. Mm-hmm. I said, who, even if I won the lottery, I would do what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Exactly. So
0: how often do you play now? Like weekly, monthly? Um,
1: last week I, I did a jazz gig in um, Fort Lauderdale on Friday. I went to a and then um, <laughs> I did a what they pay you. I volunteered to do a brunch, a luncheon, because one of my neighbors is um, involved with the Shriners. And what they do for those kids, those sick kids, is just amazing. So I did that on Sunday. And then Tuesday, I played my country western gig where we kicked breast cancer or these wonderful mm-hmm. women that overcame breast cancer. And mm-hmm. It was like a wonderful event to support their health. Yeah. So it varies and in- it varies. There is absolutely no consistency whatsoever to almost anything in my life. And um yeah, we, we were starting, somebody wanted me to play in a Kansas band, and I got all ready to go and we went to the rehearsal. And um, next thing you know, the bass player wasn't able to make it, and then the guitar player quit because it's a lot of work. And people don't want to invest the time. They want to just go and play. Because normally I can yeah. just go sit in with any band and I can hear it. You know, yeah. I could just play with. Right, but you gotta all be
0: synced together in order. To, if you, especially like those tribute bands, like which get, oh well, yeah, which get big money or can get big money if oh. you're good. Yeah, you know, like that's where the some of the money's at. I know in that industry.
1: Right, but you have to travel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I guess it depends on how much money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. How much money and how far? Exactly. Exactly. I do a casino gig a couple months ago and the guitar player goes, oh, it's such an easy gig. I got no, easy gig is five or ten minutes from my house. This was yeah. two, two and a half hours. A half. Uh, he, he told me it was about an hour. Oh. And I believed him. Right. Now, listen, I, what was I going to do? I was either, and I wasn't driving. The Vocalist drove and, okay. and we had a fun time and they did not give us a crust of bread, <laughs> did not give us, a, you know, could have a club soda. Not even a pop. it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. It's. It's. I don't understand how people look themselves. Or, or play a restaurant where they don't want to feed you. If your passion is food, why wouldn't you want to feed somebody? Oh
0: well, yeah. You know? and maybe, maybe you would have someone uh, come back then to you, right. like as a customer, as opposed to just the hired help. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> or right. speak well of your restaurant. For yeah. someone that was looking for a restaurant in that area.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I lived in Germany for four years, and even the people that worked in restaurants, they were respected because they had pride in their jobs, and you know, and musicians were and artists were very respected. And even in New York, I think more so. There's yeah very little jazz down here, and I love jazz, and I play in a big band at Marlago and the Breakers, and. They used to fly me down from New York because there were no violinists that played this kind of music that could stand up on their own. Anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I guess. so okay. I, you got a niche. Yeah, I got a niche. Okay. <laughs> I stand for music. <laughs> so, how did you
0: decide to move to Florida? Like, because obviously, New York would be the better, in my mind, the better
1: place for music. Well, actually, this is a good question because I was only going to stay here for like a few months out of the year because January, February, March is very slow in the music business. Snowbird people down here. Yeah, I was going to be a snowbird. And uh, because you get a snowstorm in those three months and all that planning for your wedding goes bye-bye and you have to reschedule. Oh, not as much going on in the catering facilities or in the club date environment. I ended up uh, buying a place in Florida saying, I may as well enjoy myself instead of being stuck in the cold. I mean, I'm from Ohio. We have so much snow there. You don't even want to imagine. And I got kind of (laughs) tired of, I played this, I played the Jonas Brothers wedding at Ohika Castle. Really? Yeah. I came, I did all the music. I came home. I had to dig myself into my driveway. It was two in the morning and I had to dig myself into my driveway after playing and setting up and tearing down and all this. And I thought, this has got to be a different way. So now I'd rather shovel sand and snow. And then, I don't know, I guess, I started looking at some places down here when I started looking and there was a a waterfront place and HOA was like six or $700 a month on the intercoastal with an infinity pool and a gym on the premise, Waterview. And I'm like, I'm not paying $600 a month for an HOA. On top of everything else, yeah. <laughs> right. And I went back to New York and I thought, I'm paying more than that a month to look at a tree and a fire plug. <laughs> I paid, you know, $800, 900 a month in taxes. Oh. And I said, well, and I'm not from New York. So I said, maybe it's time for a change. And I was down here and, drank the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid? I drank it. So you got the place on the intercoastal? No. I got a little, I got a place, a little villa, which is very nice. It's a very nice little place. Uh, every And I'm looking at million-dollar houses now. And I like my place better. Yeah. My closet's bigger. My kitchen's bigger. My bathrooms <laughs> are done over. And, you know, they say no place like home. Yep. Yeah. So I love it here. But I just I think it's a matter of regrouping, just like, you know, playing with a big band and then scaling back to me and an iPad because the budgets are shrinking. And so is the size of the ensemble. And rather than complaining about the situation that people are coming down here and stealing my work from me, they're playing for nothing. That's not going to get me anywhere. Complaining no. about it is you're either a part of the problem or you're part, a part of, of the solution. Yep. And I'd rather be part of the solution.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a great point because mindset's so important in business ownership. Yes, because when you start a business, you know you have this whatever the idea is, and unless you have a huge budget behind you or you know money that you've saved up to like drop into whatever the company is, you know you end up doing everything initially. You know you're the marketing person, the salesperson, the you know, the website designer, the, you know, whatever, you know, the accounting person, and, person yeah, account, accounting <laughs> person, the person, you know, actually doing the service, right. you know, the cleaning person, the, <laughs> all that type of thing. Right. And you have to, you know, if you don't see those results right away, I mean, I know we, um, when I started this business with a business partner back in 2012, 13, somewhere in there, it was 13. Um, you know, we came to the Delray, we joined the Del- Delray chamber, It took probably a good year to year and a half to brand in that chamber. And I went to probably like 95% of everything. I went to all the grand openings. You know, I went to the, um, you know, all the different events. We went, I mean, I was at pretty much everything, you know, where people would see you and like, oh, you're Allison from Um, a different name at the time. But, um, you know, like they knew who I was, but it took that much time, you know, where you're, like in front of people, in front of people, in front of people. That doesn't didn't mean we didn't get business before that. We did, but like just a brand to the st- extent of like people knew who you were. So, you know, if the, you weren't standing right in front of them, it could be like, oh, did you talk to Allison? You know,
1: right. So but there's a lot more people that use your service than would be my service. Yeah. Maybe it's oh, for yeah. your 90th birthday or if you have a kid that's getting married or you have a christening or whatever it is. And so I would find that I'd have to pollinate a lot of different networking groups and a <laughs> lot of people. And I look at it as I'm playing. I'm like a farmer. I'm planting seeds yeah. and hopefully, you know, handing out cards, being present. And and hopefully, you know, when somebody is about to do an event, they can include music. Because I always say it's just a gathering yeah. until you include music. And then and only then does it become. Nice. An experience. Yeah, an experience. experience. <laughs> so, you know, it's a mat, it's a matter of being, you know, having that ability to shift and, and keeping your nose to the grindstone, like you spoke of. And you know, the first year, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. You no. so I said the first year, I just wanted to survive. And then the <laughs> next, after I've got to a point where I, I was surviving, I made up my goal to thrive. And and to track things and to be accountable for my actions and also track how much time I'm spending doing what, what is yielding me the best results. If networking groups are yielding results, great. And if they're not, because it's there's not as many people that would be, you know, potential clients, right, potential clients. But sometimes you just don't know who a a potential client is. Right. And in New York, um, people were scoffing the DJs. And they were all upset that the DJs were taking the band's work away from them. (laughs) And I canvassed the DJs. And I had a package that I created, which was I would play the ceremony and the cocktail hour. I'd play acoustic violin, classical music, maybe have a flute player that doubled on sax. And we'd go with a keyboard player playing left-hand bass. And then we would go inside and we would play jazz. And the flute player would play flute and sax. I'd get some percussion instruments. i sing. i play the violin. So there was a lot of diversity and the ability to have a package. And then the DJ would take over and play the, the, the event. The dinner.
0: Yeah, and and the that dinner. And party and, the and that, yeah. yeah.
1: And I actually ended up making more money doing that than I would have, or the same amount as I would have had I been there all night. Yeah. So it worked out very well. Yeah. But I think you have to think outside the box as
0: a business owner, which is what you just did or what you did back then. Right. You know, and figure out how instead of seeing the DJ as like the competitor, right, you know, how can I collaborate with that DJ or any DJ and put some kind of package together where maybe the people want, you know, like you said, dance music. So and that's a whole different band than like a violin player and a loudest and a saxophone player <laughs> That's a whole different kind of music yeah you know, where Golden you're not bringing in two different bands you're in right. You're right which would probably cost you more money where you can bring them in and
1: you know collaborate right well i didn't i didn't just look at myself as a musician i looked at myself as uh an event planner <laughs> and somebody who so i would go to the event planners and i would say listen i know you have a lot of details to manage i will take the music off your desk and okay. I will coordinate the equipment, the music, the the rehearsals. Right. Um, I would talk to the venue. I'd make sure that the venue knew exactly who we were, where we were going to park, how much time we needed to load in, every detail, and to the to what the people could wear, what my band was able to wear, what they were doing, how they okay. would present themselves. And I handled I handle everything soup to nuts. Am I anal? Yes. <laughs> And I think that I think like Taipei people. Yeah, you just need to be that way. I was, I spent five (laughs) years in the military. You know, I was in the Air Force band for five years. So, I mean, if there's a thread somewhere, just give me a scissor. I got it. But I'm I'm happy to do it myself. And not only that, but it paid off. And why did it pay off? You might ask. Because. Why did it pay off? Thank you for asking. (laughs) It paid off because then. I would know the people at the venue because I'd already dealt with them. Yeah. And, and then they, they would become my friends yeah. and I would just you kind know, like of spider my way out to wherever I needed to be. And by by providing more of a service and they would see how I operate mm-hmm. and they would see the value in just making one call to me. And having, you know, me find them the keyboard player in one room or a trio in another room or whatever they need for their, you know, we used to do all kinds of big events in New York. I'm sure you can imagine. Uh,
0: yeah. Crazy. Did, so did you get any kind of percentage off of
1: that when you found people? Or yeah, I booked them. I, I had a booking. I'm, booking fee? I'm a booker. I'm a booker. I'm a booker. <laughs> booker? Yeah, but I mean, it sounds like. You, booker, not booger. Booker. So booker. Booker, yeah. Booker. Booker,
0: yeah. Make sure we enunciate. But it sounds like you're more of, you're acting as a business owner versus a musician. Because I think a lot of musicians, at least the one, a lot of people that I see, don't act as business owners. Now, I don't see a huge array of them, so I can't really speak, I can only speak for the ones I see down here, which is a small sample size, so I won't speak for the industry as a whole. But right. but I, you know, I think you have to think in that business mode versus, hey, I'm a musician, I'm a creative, and like, I just want to go play music. Kind of like you said, like the people that are coming down to retire and they're like, I just want to go play music.
1: Right. You know, which is fine. Because they want to do it for nothing. Right. And not for nothing. I'm not going to do that. No. No. (laughs) As they say in New York, not for nothing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, that's a big difference. And, you know, you have to think through all those pieces. So you were, maybe you weren't thinking through all of them at the time, but you, you know, Collaborate with the DJ, you got into like a whatever venue, and then you handled the venue for the music side, and then you connected to the venue, the event person at the venue, and right. then that person could then, you know, like you said, it was that spider effect. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's what networking is, essentially. It's just networking network. and not, you know, you're not going to a Delray Chamber event or some other kind of chamber event, you're just going doing it through your industry. You know, and each person's got to adapt to where their potential clients are. Right. You
1: know, so that. Exactly. exactly. Well, I had a business background, so I had that going for me. And I, yeah. I worked for MCI communications when nobody knew who they were. We had okay. no idea. And I just remember like AT&T, you know, they were our competition. They were the, it was a monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody understood anything about their bills, including the client. So I, I asked my supervisor and the marketing people, they go, we have no idea how to do that. So I had to call AT&T and they told me how to read their bills. And I figured a way, they told me exactly their product offering, what they were doing. And I had the opportunity once I had the knowledge to sell against them. And I, I think it's intrinsically the same in any industry. To understand what the environment is, what the playing field is, yeah. go after and understand who your competition actually is. And these days, with the internet, it's so easy. And you know, you could just scroll through someone's website at three in the morning, unless you're <laughs> like you, they, or four thirty know, in the morning, or four thirty in the morning <laughs> when I get up, when <laughs> you get up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Versus before you go to bed. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we have a lot. We have a lot more flexibility. We have a lot more knowledge at our fingertips. It's right. just are we willing to utilize it yeah. to our advantage? And, you know, it, it also could be slightly overwhelming. I was just going to
0: ask you that. I mean, literally, that's what came to my mind when you said that was, you know, do you ever find sometimes when you have so much knowledge, you find it overwhelming because, you know, you're like, okay, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I do this? And you really have to Pull that type A in and say, okay, you know, to, you know, today I'm just focusing here, and this is what I'm going to focus on. And you know, if let's right. look at competitors' websites, for example, or something like that, you know, I'm going to focus here. And then, you know, tomorrow I'm going to focus here, and not get that squirrel syndrome of, you know, here, and then someone calls you, and then something happens over here, and <laughs>
1: you're like, I think ah. they call that ADD. Yeah.
0: Yeah. ADD. yeah. yeah, but I don't. I don't find I have ADD, but I find that I have to really still. Because sometimes, you know, like you, you, I would be, I'm happiest if I can stay in a schedule. So if I'm like, if I'm working on a client stuff from say nine to noon, I don't want to have to answer the phone or right? I want to, don't want to talk to anyone. Like I just want to do that. Now, right. Sometimes I will shut my phone off and don't, you know, I'll just tell my assistant, Hey, I'm going, on do not disturb. So if you need something, right. this is how you're going to reach me. Right. And sometimes they will do that, especially if I'm super busy, right. but Other times it's beneficial to answer those phone calls, you know, because you never know when it might be potential business. (laughs) So,
1: you know, you have to kind of weigh those things out. Well, what you're speaking to me about at that, I see it as like dribbling the ball on the court. You know, (laughs) you're on the court in your life. And a lot of times I want to take a look at where the basket is, where's the goal? And instead of always, dribbling the ball and going up and down the court, I need to make a, I need to score. And you also touched on something else. that was interesting. Like I have so much knowledge. Well, I think that for me, I need to remain as humble as possible and realize that there's always something to learn. Oh yeah. And, Great. and, you know, I, I have an accountability group that I started in my house 17 years ago because I was all over the place. And I wanted to streamline and I make weekly lists and I have partners that I clear with, which we could do in another section. More (laughs) on this later. Yes. And, you know, but that really keeps me kind of focused. And then I have my calendar. And it's good that you do that. I I heard that, you know, you schedule in time to work on a client. You make sure that you have like a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. you know, to work on, which I'm sure really from 4 30 in the morning you have a lot more flexibility than <laughs> someone like me <laughs>
0: well but i don't necessarily start work until probably nine or sometimes ten depending on the okay. day sometimes i network eight at 8 a.m so right. i have a couple networking groups i go to that are 8 a.m groups right. they're not well, ones every week ones every couple of weeks but um yeah but i mean i'm I do like some reading. I do some gratitude. I do set some goals for the day. Like that's kind of my time. And then I walk for 45 minutes to an hour. Right. I love to walk. You know, I walk. and then I come back and have some coffee. And I like to, I do scope through some social media at that point. And sometimes I'll post about the walk or whatever um, comes to my mind at that moment. Right. right. <laughs> and then go shower and figure out what the next step is. You know, sometimes I'll flip through a few emails just if I am looking for an email. Um, but yeah, I mean, but for me, that kind of sets the tone for my day, and then helps me be more focused and efficient than if I got up at eight and I'm like, oh crap, I got to get to the office in like an hour, and now I miss the walk, I miss this, I miss that, you know? Because don't, it's not easy getting up early. Because even like this morning, the alarm went off at 4:30, so it's a watch alarm initially, so it vibrates. I must have turned that off, and then the second alarm on the phone, which makes a noise, went off at five. So I think I got up at five fifteen ish. I think I had snoozed once so and that's been more of a recent thing because I've been like a little more tired but I have to get to bed by like 10 10 thirty like because I need like i figured out that I need like six hours is like optimal for me
1: yeah I'm a six and a half hour girl yeah six it's to six I understand how much time you need. but it,
0: it took me a while to figure that out because uh-huh. I listened to someone on clubhouse early in the morning that was talking about his sleep cycle. he's like, I only need four hours and 40 minutes. And it's like two sleep cycles. I'm like, how do you figure out what your sleep cycle is? So I'm sitting here trying to figure this out. And and, uh, so like I could figure out by the end of the week, if I was only getting four to five hours, because sometimes that happens. Then I was like exhausted by Friday. I'm like, okay, I just want to go to sleep. You know, so so once I hit that six to six and a half, so that's my target area, but it doesn't always happen, but...
1: Well, yeah, they all. You know what? I always say that time is a very precious commodity. And yeah. if time is a commodity, then my schedule is my budget. Oh, I like that. Yeah, my schedule is my budget. Is how I I budget my time. Because we really all just have 24 hours a day. Yeah,
0: that's the one thing we're all equal to.
1: Yeah, we're all. And we found out how many equals we are during COVID. You know, and how the whole world was affected it really levels the playing field made me realize how human we all are mm-hmm. and diversion is part of uh, humanity and so is focus yep. and uh, to stay focused on a goal and make sure that it's obtained you know I'd rather have a goal than obtain it than not have a goal right? I'd rather have a goal <laughs> rather than have it how does that go? I'd rather have a goal and maintain and obtain and not maintain and not obtain it than not have a goal at all. OK. Yep. That
0: was- yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, you and I are somewhere in that respect. I mean, I have to have that something I'm like, you know, even if it's a goal for the week, <laughs> it could be a goal for the week or it could be a goal for the month or whatever the focus is.
1: Well, that's, a, I think- that's sort of like the Stephen Covey thing. I did the Stephen Covey Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. I did the training in Manhattan. Uh, and you know sharpen your saw but start with the end in mind
0: yeah. you know uh,
1: and visualize what you want for yourself in your life and in your business and then work backwards on how you're going to obtain that and then break it into bite-sized pieces you don't yeah. you don't eat a pizza all at once sometimes you do that <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you saying one bite? Break it into slices, and then <laughs> you you say don't I could bite do it once. I think
0: I could eat a whole pizza, maybe.
1: I would like to see that.
0: <laughs> oh, trust me, I could do that. Try not to do that, but I could do that. I love pizza. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we manage to create what we want, and we find time for what is important yeah. to us. Well, it's all about lives. priorities. It is. And if I can't get something done today and I could say, well, you know what? I can find time tomorrow to do that task and work it into my day and be be kind to myself, too. Like you Mm -hmm. said, to take some time. yourself to set up i need to walk you know i need to go for my walk it's like keeping my head where my feet are and you know (laughs) everybody's got their own strategy for what works for them yeah to keep yourself grounded and present and focused on that what you're doing and it's also important to i think have a space to do that you know like an office that's that's designed for work and um and we were talking about that like um these assisted living, they have recreation rooms and then I'm going to put it on my office door that I'm going to recreate, recreate, recreate in my life and have that in my office and recreate because I'm finding, as you alluded to earlier, that the market is shifting, has shifted, especially since, you know, the COVID uh, happened and things are not where they used to be, so I've got to go digging in other places, and I've got to recreate myself again. Recreate, yeah. Now, have you done any
0: marketing online as far as playing live on social media, anything yeah. like that?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I, at the beginning of COVID, um, I did a Mother's Day show for one of my clients, and somebody hacked in, and it was just—it just. It just Set me off. I I actually went into my neighborhood and um, when everything was completely shut down, I did a couple shows outside and. Oh, that's um, cool. And I had my neighbors literally crying, coming up to me and saying, "What a difference it made for them, you know, just to have something." Right. Just something. And Some kind
0: a of live music where there was none.
1: Well, I don't think people realize value until i'm at an event and i'm playing and then the music stops and it's almost as if the bottom falls out to me i mean for me i i I see it as just such a wonderful backdrop or conversation i i I did a during this lunch that i did last week i i actually look for people to be on their phones because i don't want to be so overbearing for these people and a lot of times a band will do that they'll get over oh, musicians yeah. and it's it's annoying i don't want to eat my food and when i can't even hear it's just i don't know maybe i'm hypersensitive but no, i'd rather no, be that way. sensitive to my clients and to people and i think that it's important in any business to be aware of what your client hears sees experiences mm-hmm. and the customer experience really has to be the bottom line. You know, I don't want to play something that is important for me. I, I And I believe that I'm a musical psychic. And the reason I say this is because I'll stroll at tables and I will play that. People, well, That's my wedding song. It's oh, so wow. weird that you played that. Or <laughs> and, and I remember one time I played this one song for this woman and I looked up and she was sobbing. And I'm like, what what'd I do? That was my husband's. Oh. And he just died. He just passed oh. last month because that was what his favorite song. I go, that's your husband coming yeah. through me. Your medium, to too. To realize that.
0: He was She's a music medium.
1: I'm a music medium. Here we go. I used to be a large, but then I went on a style. We'll talk about it another time. Oh,
0: that was another thing. that
1: was another thing that happened to me. Once I had this agent down here. These agents are, some of them are, they've been doing this so long. They don't have all their properties and they're not <laughs> investing in properties, let's say. And she put, see, I had a date. I had a date and um, I, to play for her. And I said, you know, I am, um, I'm supposed to play for you on this date. She goes, no, you're not. I go, are you sure? Cause I got a, I got an opportunity to do a job in New York. Take it. I I'm sure that I, so bottom line is, she called me back after I took the date in New York and said, no, you're, you're supposed to play here. And I'm promoting you. You're the headliner. You're." And I go to the venue and they said, musician, we thought we had a magician. Ah. 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 I walk up on stage and I can smell the sound guy get there from my sound check. He smells like a gin mill. Oh, Tony, you know who you are and fast forward it's my first song and the background tracks stop working Tony again, you know who you are he says give me a minute give me- I'm in front of the 600 people and all the spotlights are on me give me a minute I started telling <coughs> jokes what else do you do I started telling jokes and I said no I always thought this would be the worst thing I- it's like put it into a lion's den, really. Yeah, and exactly. And trying to be a tap dancer right way like out of it. it. Lots and, of lions right, out there right, in the audience. Then, <laughs> right? And I said, to, I said, wow, I always thought this would be really tough, like standing in front of an audience with no clothes on. And this guy in the back says, why didn't you try that, honey? Uh. And anyways, the show always goes on, and we figure out a way. And, you know, when you think you have the toughest business, mm, you You look up, you see better, you look down, you see worse, and you make the best of it.
0: Yeah. Adept.
1: Malleable, huh? Malleable.
0: Yeah. So she's a magician,
1: she's a
0: comedian, she's, what else do you do? (laughs) Uh,
1: Very, very funny. Very funny. You know what's interesting? I was a headliner in New York in a lot of theaters, and they would hire me. People would buy tickets to see me. And I never thought anybody wanted to hear anything I had to say. And I had to submit my patter, which is the dialogue between your songs. And I ended up finding out so much information, which I never considered. And I would do research on the composer, the era, the show, the music, uh, whatever. And I learned so much about Hmm. exactly what I needed to communicate to the audience. And the audience responded in kind because I was reaching out to them verbally as well as musically. And, uh, you know, so that was that was very interesting to find out. And I mean, it makes me think about, you know, when I lived in Germany, I played in a band and I didn't speak any German yet at the time. (laughs) And the band didn't speak English. But we managed to make music Uh because music is a universal language. (laughs) And so is business. You know, it's it there's there's methodologies that work throughout any business. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just like putting your nose to the grindstone and being persistent. And like we said earlier, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So as we start to wind down, one question I ask everyone is if you were to go back and kind of look at your career as an entrepreneur. And you've determined there was one thing that really helped accelerate that, either something you started out with or maybe something you developed along the way that might be helpful to someone that wanted to start a business. What might that be?
1: Well, I actually started a technology business beforehand, and I mm-hmm. was going to go help people with their tech needs. And I guess I wasn't as passionate about I went out, that, although I, went out I, did, the window. I did like, you know, my, my tech stuff, and the business failed. I, I didn't continue that business, and yet I lived, and I was able to start another business. And I think once we come to realize that, you know, it's not life or death, and that if a business does fail, it's not the end, it could be a new beginning. And even in view of the fact that the market in Florida is so very different than it is in New York. One of my agents, he used to he used to give me directions from his house and I didn't even know where he lived. And rather than, you know, so I had to like figure out how to work in a market that wasn't working in the way that I needed it to work. So, I think that, you know, understanding that we can always slip and then we can go forward, slip and go forward. It's all sort of part of the process.
0: Yeah, it's always an up and down. So I always tell people, if you think you're gonna like start a business and just go like this direct path up here, that way.
1: Well, when you think about it, Allison, um, let's get a visualization of a heart monitor. A heart monitor goes mm-hmm. exactly like that. It goes up and down. Yep. And the alternative is flat want that. No, we don't want that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all a journey, not a destination. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me oh, today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having yeah. me. And you could have given me some of these questions in advance. I could have thought about them, but it wouldn't well, have been nearly as much fun, right? No, I don't
0: have any of the questions in advance besides my first one and my last one. I know those two. Oh, okay. Everything else, I play off of what you say.
1: Oh, well, so. good job. <laughs> so,
0: uh, thank you for joining us on the Dream, Plan, Start, Grow show. My name is Allison Turner. If you have questions for me on business, how to start a business, how to accelerate in your business, you can go to dreamplanstartgrow.com. You can also email at success at I do offer a complimentary 30-minute uh, consultation through that website. So please go on and thank you for joining us and I'll see you again next week. Could I? To a plug for my
1: website oh i forgot that part www.jamielin.com j-a-i-m as in mary y Jamie l-y-n-n dot com Lynn. no space that's the first
0: time i've actually forgotten, <laughs>
1: forgotten you, don't be discouraged by a 516 number no. and if you dial the 561 you'll speak to suzanne that's a lot of my calls. <laughs> 516. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Dream Plan Start Grow podcast with Allison Turner. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join the Dream Plan Start Grow community by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Dream Plan Start Grow. See you in the next episode.